Tackling your business's finance to-dos can be daunting enough without being slowed down by QuickBooks. More like slow books. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one financial system, no matter how big your business grows. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite right now. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This is the Profitology Podcast, episode number 14 with Stacey Tushel, a serial entrepreneur and the creator of the Foot Traffic Podcast and Community. Welcome to the Profitology Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly O'Neill. Profitpreneurs are rewriting the rules for entrepreneurial business success in how they operate and scale their businesses, make more money, and design their businesses to give them more unplugged time in the process. Each week, join me for insightful and candid interviews with the most brilliant business minds, celebrity influencers, and fellow profitpreneurs who are disrupting the status quo and are going to leave you inspired to rewrite the rules in your own business. Let's get started. Hey there, thank you for joining the Profitology Podcast again, and thank you for your continued support. I love reading the reviews and getting your questions on social media. So if you are enjoying the show and you are loving what you're hearing, you're loving the guests, please take a moment to leave us a review and let us know what you think. It's how we're able to reach more entrepreneurs who are tired of the hustle and grind business mentality and want to work smarter and enjoy their life. In fact, speaking of today, I have a great guest for you, a good friend of mine, Stacy Tushel, that I met at a high level mastermind event. And what I loved about Stacy right off the get-go is her Nobia style. She is a third generation entrepreneur who started her first business at the age of 18 in her parents' backyard and turn that company into a seven-figure business that she still runs today. In fact, she runs multiple businesses. So besides her two performing art academies in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Stacy has also been building her real estate portfolio and has been a landlord for over a decade. She is a marketing strategist. She is a best-selling author. She created the Foot Traffic Podcasting Community where she helps small business owners get more customers through the door and more profit in into the pocket. Not to mention the fact that she is the mom of two adorable little girls and she is married to her sweetheart, Kent. If you are someone who wants to know how to truly build an empire, if you are someone who wants to scale your businesses and get yourself out of the day-to-day grind, you are going to want to listen to this episode with Stacy Tushel. Welcome to the Profitology Podcast. I am thrilled to introduce to you my guest today, Stacey Tushel. Welcome, Stace. Hi, Kelly. I'm so excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you. I knew from the moment that I met you. It's, it's so funny. All of my podcast guests, I'm like, as soon as I see them, I'm like, oh, I got to have them on the podcast. I love your spark. I love your energy. And I am in awe of your ability to do it all. So tell me, were you? did you just like come out of the womb? A serial entrepreneur or how did, how did this all unfold for you? Yeah. So first, I feel like I knew from the moment I met you, we were going to be fast friends because there are a lot of similarities to us. And here's the thing. If, if you've looked at your personality type or when you do those personality tests, 
all of a sudden you're reading who you are and you're going, I was born to be an entrepreneur, right? And I think many of us, many people listening right now are saying the same thing. They were absolutely born to do this. Now, sometimes it takes us a little longer to realize that we are meant to be an entrepreneur, but eventually we all find the right time when it's supposed to happen. So I actually grew up in a family business mm-hmm. and I have a, my grandfather started an excavating company. So like in construction, they build, they dig basements for houses. I grew up in that. That company is almost 50 years old. Uh, my grandfather started it. My grandmother works in it. My mom and dad, my uncle. I mean, it was a definitely a family thing and still going strong today. And I had no idea the impact that that business had on me growing up. I wasn't somebody thinking I was going to be a business owner. I went to college. I ended up getting a business degree, but thinking I was going to work for somebody else. So it's funny how I know now I was born to do this. I'm wired to do this, but it took a little bit for me to realize that I actually could do it too. So my story um, started right out of high school. I decided I wanted to teach dancers in my parents' backyard for fun, for free while I was going to school. And again, it wasn't for me. It wasn't me thinking I had a business. What it was, was me, me being who I am. And I always wanted to lead. I always want, I wanted to be the boss. I wanted to run things. And I thought, well, this will be fun. So I didn't know what was happening with that or what it was going to turn into. But I think when you are the right type of person, the right personality, the person who's driven, who wants to do it, big things happen. And that company, now it's a real company. That story is about 17 years old. And now it's a million dollar company. I still own it. I still run it. um, But I don't work in the business at all. I only go in once a month for two hours for one leadership meeting. And and it runs like a well-oiled machine. That is amazing. And so how did you, cause you know, that that's rare as, as you know, that yeah. entrepreneurs have set themselves up intentionally to create that level of freedom in their business. And what's so interesting about that is that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, it was interesting, I'll give you a little aside. When I interviewed Mike Michalowicz, who's a good friend of mine, he, um, for those of you who are listening, he wrote uh, profit first and uh, the pumpkin plan, as well as a variety of other books, including clockwork. And one of the things he had said, which I thought was so interesting is as entrepreneurs, he thinks that we should stop calling ourselves entrepreneurs. Mm. And I said, why is that? And he said, I think we should actually call ourselves shareholders. He goes, you know, I own stock in Ford. He said, but I don't go down to the Ford plant every day. And, you know, I don't, he's like, I don't start like assembling things on the line, (laughs) you know, or looking, looking through things. He's like, you know, it just pays me. Yeah. Right. And And that's how it should be. That is how it should be. So how does someone who is stuck in the midst, right? Like what, what made you decide that that was the path? How did you get started in doing that and transitioning yourself out of the day-to-day business? Yeah. So a couple things, because you hear that I've been raised in a, in a, a small business family, right? Or small family business. And then you think, Oh, she's done it since she was 18. This must have been easy for her. And that is not the case. And even though I grew up in a family business, it was a construction business and I opened a performing arts academy. There are not a lot of things that are similar that they can really coach me on. Okay. So, so I, I could go to them for some things, but there was a lot of stuff I had to figure out on my own. Right. So I think people have to really hear me say, I was the technician. I was the dance teacher. I was the front desk girl. I was answering the phones. You know, I I was the girl cleaning the bathrooms. I was everybody on that organizational chart, right? Like it was me all over the place. But I think for me, 
one of the things that has been huge is, and this accidentally happened, but I, this can be intentional, is I didn't identify as the dancer, the artist. I was doing it for fun. And when I realized, okay, this could be a business, I started to identify as a business owner. And I think when you are identifying as the technician, right? I coach people in so many different areas. Yesterday, I coached somebody who owns a flower shop. She identifies as a florist. And when you are that florist or you are the baker or you are, you know, whoever that is, the technician, you think you have to be, like you said, going to Ford, working on the assembly line because that's who you identify as. When you switch your identity to the shareholder, to the CEO, you have to take on different responsibilities. And for me, that is what I did. I started to say, if I am the CEO, I have to work on different different areas that I wasn't working on when I was a technician. I can't clean the bathrooms. I need to be focusing on marketing and getting people in the door, right? So I think, and, and when you call it a hobby or a side hustle, you're using certain language that you're using, you've got to be careful because you really start to identify with what you're saying, whether you think so or not. Or people say things like, well, I have a seven-figure business, but I'm not paying myself enough, right? Or I should be paying myself more. I should be doing this. I can't even really, you know, reward myself for being a seven-figure business owner because I'm missing X, Y, Z, right? We can't even acknowledge the things that we're doing well because all we see are the things that we're not doing well at. So I think identity is one of the biggest thing is who are you identifying yourself as right now? And that can be changed if, if you're struggling there. I love that. One of the one of the programs that I teach is called Promote Yourself to CEO. And we talk a lot about this because I I agree with you. I actually have in my in our businesses or when I'm consulting with clients, and I did this for myself, and this is how I made the switch. I wrote myself a job description as a CEO. Yes. And mm. on that job description, one of the things I actually put, because this is this is an area I struggle with, is I actually put a line item on that job description that it was to take care of myself. Because yes. as the CEO, for, for me, I'm always taking care of everything else, all the clients, the team, the everyone else. And I was like, you know what? One of the biggest things I need to do is fill my own well so I can be that person for my team and for my clients. Yeah. So that right there is gold, right? Like mm-hmm. to start identifying yourself differently. And in building out the team, I am sure that when you're coming from that mindset, you started building out the team differently, Yes, definitely. Because I started to say to myself, what's the next position I can let go of, right? People think I don't have somebody in in place for marketing. I don't have somebody in place for growth, for finances, for... No, you do. It's probably you, right? So you are all over that org chart. Our goal right now is what can I let go of? What can I give away to somebody else, right? And then the whole mindset comes up with, but can I afford that? And you have to start to look at the people you're bringing on your team as revenue generators, not expenses. If I had a little uh, button right now that I could push and hear angels sing, I'd push it <laughs> right now. Right. And, and it's hard. I get it. I'm with you. I was, I'm, I'm still there sometimes. I'm going, okay, because we're always needing to up-level. We're always needing to hire the next person. Of course, the question is, can I afford it? Will this person bring me a return on my investment? How fast will it bring me a return on my investment? Those are questions we have to ask. But when you hire with the intention of this person needs to bring value, it needs to show up on that bottom line, right? All of a sudden, your job description changes, right? You, your interview with them is going to change. There is no sugarcoating this job. It is, this is what we're hiring you to do. This is what we're expecting of you. You've got to be honest and you've got to share because they need to come in knowing they're a 
bigger, more important role than they a lot of times understand. We don't want to just hire doers in our business. Yeah. I want a self-starter. I want somebody who's being innovative and is going to really treat this business as, as, as their own, as a person who's going to be here with me long-term. I don't want somebody who's coming in for a couple months or a year. I always say to people, if this is just a quick fix or uh, like maybe you're, you're, um, like something in between jobs, this is not the place. For right. I mean, this I is want not a job. to want to it's stay not, forever. It's not a job. Yeah. Right. You and I are so, you and I are so similar because I, <laughs> I agree with this as well. You know, I, I am a big believer in not, I don't delegate tasks to my team. I delegate responsibilities and outcomes mm-hmm. and I hire people and create a culture that, and I'm sure you do too, like creating that culture that allows them and in fact entices them to be free thinkers and to come back and be like, I have a better way to do this. I was researching this and this is what I think we should do instead. That is a whole different ball game when you start hiring that way. So how do you then in that for someone, you know, that is new to this, mm-hmm. how do you then switch the way? Because that is a, it's a different management style. Yes. Especially if you are a helicopter CEO mm-hmm. where you want to, where you want to hover and, sw- yeah. and I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying for those of you listed where yeah. you're like, but I need to have my fingers in everything because maybe you have some, let's just let's say control issues. Yeah. How do you switch that mindset so that yeah. you can actually get results? Cause that, that management style is not going to work with. Right. I think most of us have control issues. It's our personality, right? It's our baby. All right, so fair, of course, fair. right? Yeah. So here's here's what I think we have to understand. And this was a big, like kind of like a rude awakening for me when one of my employees said this to me. So I was kind of being that helicopter mom, right? I was like micromanaging everything. And this person said to me, if you really want me to run this department, you've got to let me run it. You're questioning everything I'm doing. And it was hard to hear. And at first, you know, I was, I probably got defensive and I was saying things, but as I sat there, I thought, you're right. I want her to run this yet. I keep micromanaging what she's doing. And that was the biggest thing that I was just like, wow. And, you know, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. I had been following him personally for a long, long time. And I remember him saying something about, he's talking about children, but it completely works with employees as well. So <laughs> it's funny how that, that happens actually quite is. frequently. Yeah. We're talking about helicopter mom. I mean, right, yeah, it's, like, it's your baby. Rewards, incentives. <laughs> so, <time> out. <laughs> yeah. He talks about this rope analogy. And when your kids are, you know, growing up, you're, you're holding onto the rope and it's pretty tight, but as they get older, you can let go of the rope a little bit. Right. And as you're letting go of the rope, if they mess up, you're going to pull it back in. So right. When they skip curfew or something goes wrong, you're pulling it in. It's kind of the same thing with employees. You, as you're building your team, you're going to hold the rope close as you're training. But as they start to work with you and understand the vision and the values, you can let go of it a little bit. And if they're doing a great job, you don't need to be holding onto them so tight. Let them go. And of course you're inspecting what you expect. So if something is wrong, you can pull it back in and kind of start a little bit fresh, right? Explain, okay, this is what I've seen. Here's what I really am looking for. And then you go through that process again. So it's a lot of experimenting. It's, you know, and it's a, it's a skill that you will get better and better at. Hiring is a skill. Firing is a skill. I mean, I didn't know how to interview. The first few interviews I did, I swear, was more nervous than the person that was being interviewed, right? I mean, you're not naturally good at these things. A lot of us aren't. So 
as you are doing this, you will get more practice. The whole thing is we're experimenting. We're hiring people and then finding if they're going to fit on in this bus, right? Finding them, putting them in the right seat on the bus. And sometimes we figure out they're not even meant to be on this bus. So we've, we've got to make sure that we're constantly giving them responsibility and seeing if they can flourish. Because if you're constantly micromanaging, no one is going to be happy. You aren't and neither are they. I love that. I love that. One, so one of the, um, you know, I have all of our guests take our profitpreneur assessment, which is meant to exactly identify their key strengths, their profit, you know, their profit accelerators, their profit leaks. Clearly, I don't think this is going to come to a shocking point for anyone that Stacey is, of course, a CEO, profitpreneur profile type. So one of the things that I have, like we do not hire people and you guys are more than welcome to also use this program. Any of you who are listening to this, uh, we do not hire people without putting them through that. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because oftentimes I have found that people, and this actually just recently happened to me, that people, you know, when they're in an interview process and especially if they're like caught up and they really want to work with you, they'll kind of say things to skew that in their favor, especially, which is actually not a bad quality to have, right? I mean, you want someone who can sell themselves, right. especially if you're going to have them in that role in your business. But I had her take the, the profitpreneur assessment and I needed someone who was super detail oriented. I needed someone who was, you know, like very on top of things, very strategic for this one position. And she came up as an innovator, which means mm-hmm. that she's the idea person. She, they are not super great at details They're, You know, it's not, and it's not to say that I wouldn't hire her down the road, but I'm mm-hmm. not, I, she's not a good fit for that position. And I find that a lot of poor hiring decisions can be avoided if we do those types of things in advance so that we understand how they operate. And then it's up to see is, is it a cultural fit? I do have a question for you about this. Yeah. Do you believe in hiring? Will you, will you tend to, I already, I think I already know the answer. But do, you, <laughs> do you tend to hire more for person? Like, will you hire based on background and skill or do you hire based on aptitude and, and attitude? Yeah. Completely personality based. I mean, here's the thing. So I was working with this girl yesterday who was trying, who kept saying, and, and we have like such good hearts as an entrepreneur going, you know, if it's me, if I have leadership problems, just tell me I can fix it. She was trying to get this person to be in this managerial role. And I made her immediately right then have him go and take this personality test. And uh, we used Myers-Briggs specifically. And when she took it or when he took it, there was no way that this person could ever be a manager. All of the things that he loves and thrives in, have it's the opposite of a manager, right? I mean, you have to look at personality because it's, it's hard for people to change how they were wired, right? If somebody loves to be the center of attention and they want to be creative and a visionary, it's going to be really hard to make them detail organ, like super detailed, Right. All organ. It's just not how they're meant to be. Whereas I love organizing. It, like I, the other day somebody said to me, "What are you doing today?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm so excited. I'm cleaning my closet, my master closet." And they're like, "I've never heard anybody say that before." Yeah, I, think we were, I think we were separated at birth. I'm like, I'm like, I just want to Marie Kondo everything. <laughs> me too, because we're wired that way. So we are meant to be in the position that we're in. And sometimes 
we have these high expectations of people on our team and we think, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they like that? But they're not wired like we are. And we have to, and, and there's, it's not like they're wired wrong. They're just wired for a specific position and we're trying to force them over here and it's just not working. And, wh- and why, so I, why do you think that that happens? Why do you yeah. think that that, ha- like, how do we get to the point that we're at that point where we're trying to shove a square peg in a round hole? Yeah. I think we have very high expectations as the CEO. I, I was talking to somebody who was also teaching her how to pull out of her business. And she really truly believes that nobody can do it as good as her. And if they do, they need to be doing it as good as her. And I said, you're expecting your $10, $15 an hour employees to be as amazing as you are as the CEO. That is not going to happen or they would become their own CEO. Right? Again, I need a damn angel singing button. (laughs) (laughs) But, But we expect them to like, why are they not as good as us? That doesn't even make sense. Why would they be as good as us? Why would they be, if, if you wanted somebody just like you, they're, they're not going to work for you because you wouldn't work for you. You would go do your own thing. So we're, we're unfortunately expecting these A plus results from our employees. And I always say to people, honestly, if they can give me a B plus, like my B plus, it's pretty darn good. Like, like that'll be good enough. Right. And I think a lot of us are expecting our a plus from our employees and that's just, it's not realistic. It is, it is a recipe for disaster. And yeah. And you know, and the other thing I see, and I know that I used to be very guilty of this Mm -hmm. is when I was not fully pulled out as, and pulled into the position of CEO and I was still running my business and trying to hire from that position. What would happen is I was going so fast that I would wait until I was like, oh my goodness, I need to hire someone yesterday. And then you, when you're hiring from that place of duress, you are going to be like, okay, well, if I just shave off the corners of this square, I could probably hit it with a sledgehammer and get it into the round. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. <laughs> you know, because you we wait too long when we are not operating from that place of, like you said, pull, like pulling out and taking the time to look at our businesses with that 50,000 foot view and having that plan in place where we're going to be able to make these strategic hiring decisions. You know, how long in advance do you tend to look for an employee or a team member before you, you actually pull a plug? Yeah. So First, I when you said that, if you're looking out of a place of desperation, I need her yesterday, there are no good decisions that are going to come out of that. You're not in the right headspace to make those kinds of decisions. Yes. Yeah, so for me... I am looking ahead of what's, I kind of always have this wish list of who my next employee is going to be. And I know those milestones of when I'm going to need her. So it's just creating a roadmap and a plan. A lot of people don't have a roadmap. Like you said, they go, I'm so overwhelmed. I need this person right now. Right. And you want to actually map out when these hires are going to happen. And you're not going to know, oh, September. It's more of when we have this many clients or when we're taking on this many new people, we're going to have to hire another person here, right? Yes. So you've got to map out what that looks like. And it's it's just like your goal setting. You're going to put these numbers down, but you're kind of guessing. And you don't really know. that It's not going to look as perfect as it is written down. So be okay with that. It's just a baseline to make sure you understand when and where. And I also think too, when you go to hire somebody and you put out a job posting, a lot of times, some people are trying to figure this out in a week. 
it's okay to have a job posting up for months. I mean, literally months and just wait for the right person and to be picky and to know that we can put it out right now, even if I don't want this person for another two months, because guess what? If the absolute perfect person comes through your door and you're not, you're, you weren't planning on hiring them for two more months, you will take them. But if you have to find them next week, what are the chances the perfect person is going to see that posting and apply this week, right? It, right? it makes it a lot harder. So take your time. We are constantly, this is something we do that people are blown away with. We have job postings permanently out for specific positions, even if we don't need that position filled. Because again, if I hand you your magical unicorn, the person that I'm asking for in this perfect job description, and I find her, even if you're not ready for her, if she's so amazing, you're going to take her on. And if she's so amazing, she's going to become a revenue generator, not an expense, right? So you've got to be thinking about how do I proactively do this, even if I don't need it right this second. I love it. And actually, I'm going to riff right off of that because I... I say all the time, your employees are either making you money or they're costing you money. And they absolutely should be a source of revenue generation. So let's talk about how you do that in your company. Like yeah. what, what does that look like in your company? Because that, that is something, you know, there is a de- that delicate, delicate balance, especially when you're hiring people that are more, well, I call it intrapreneurship. Yeah. They don't really, they're not really ready to go run their own business yet, but they totally want that freedom within this. I don't know if it's the safety and comfort within the walls, yeah. within the structure, within the guidance, within the mentorship, within your company to bring that up. Yeah. Sometimes people just value stability. Like I, I love stability, but I also love risk more. Some people like stability more than risk and they don't want to go on their own. Yeah. So, okay, let's bring this back to you saying some people make you money and some people cost you money. Now, there are some positions in your business that I wouldn't technically hire right now because maybe they are in a doer position, right? And they're not actually going to make me more money if I don't have the clientele to fill it. But there are people in certain areas like growth, right? If I'm looking at growth and I can go, all right, well, I'm not really utilizing LinkedIn. And if I can hire a LinkedIn expert to come in and actually make me money from LinkedIn, that is a position I will fill all day. But if if there's a doer position where it's only going to happen if I have more customers, then I'm not going to hire that position on, right? So that's something to think about with the making money or costing you money. I love that. Now you have to think. Well, and then also just, just also thinking about like, if you're hiring someone in a doer position that is going to allow you to free yourself up more in growth, you know, like if you, if you were looking to grow your company and you're still filing and you're still doing uh, admin work, like you you're on the wrong bus. Yeah, right? like you, definitely. Are not, you are not on the fast bus. You are not in the, you're not in the right place. So, yeah. it, so there's that perspective too. Like keep going. 100%. Thank Yes. And I kind of assumed we were not in that role, but you're totally right. Somebody is still, somebody is like, still oh. checking like their main email account and their customer service. You shouldn't be doing that 100%. So yes, that would be the only way I would invest in that person coming on to take over some of that stuff. Right. Um, and, and here's the thing too is sometimes people say to me, well, I'm doing these little errands and personal stuff, but I'm doing it on the weekend. So it's not affecting my time during the week, but it is affecting your time during the week. If you're not recharging on the weekend, if you are so burnt out heading into Monday, but you think, 
well, I only ran my errands on Saturday and I wouldn't have been working. Yes, but if you aren't physically, mentally, emotionally recharging, it is costing you a ton of money. So try to get rid of personal stuff as well in that doer role. So that's so good. So rejuvenate, we call it over here, rejuvenate to accelerate. Absolutely. You have to. It is People don't, they think that's a luxury. It is a necessity and people are not seeing that at all. Um, so let's look at a couple of these buckets. So for me, I'm looking at this growth bucket. That one's the easiest for people to see because they're thinking, well, you're obviously going to grow the business. So they're money makers. But then there's this operational bucket and then there's this fulfillment bucket. So first of all, fulfillment, imagine you hire somebody just to enhance your customer experience. That is a money making role. That is retention, right? They say like, People are so busy getting new people, new customers, but your existing customers are leaving you and you have to enhance the customer experience for them to stay. And when you do that, again, big money making role and we're just not utilizing people like that. Correct. So, so yes, that uh, even operations, you might be doing things just in such a poor way that people are going you know, she doesn't have her act together. And you're, again, it's customer retention. So there's customer experience inside of your operations. If things are being ordered late or they're not being organized, customers have a very high expectation these days. Good is no longer good enough. You Mm -hmm. have to be amazing to wow people. And I think we're living, you know, 10, 20 years ago when you could just be good and that was okay. That is, those days are gone. So you've really got to outdo what you've been doing and wow your customers. I love it. All right. I could literally sit here and talk to you for about four more hours. We're going to have to have you on the Profitpreneur Show uh, live just to to keep this conversation going. So Miss Stacy, if people want to find out about uh, your work in the world, what you are up to, where should they go to learn more about you and listen? Yeah. So a couple of my favorite places. First, my podcast is foot traffic. So definitely check that out. And then Instagram is my favorite place. I'm just at Stacy Tushel there. And that's my website as well. StacyTushel.com. Excellent. And you guys don't forget to check out the show notes. We are going to put all things Stacy on the show notes so that you can find her. You can get in touch with her. She is definitely a woman to watch. The, the work that she does in the world is clearly brilliant. And I really appreciate you being here today. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitology Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Profitology Podcast. If you did, please share this show with someone that you know and help spread the word to your followers on social media. This is how we reach more entrepreneurs just like you around the world. Also, I'd like to continue the conversation with you about all things Profitology. So please join me and your fellow Profitpreneurs in our free Facebook group. You can find us at ProfitpreneurCircle.com. I frequently go live in our community to share tips, trainings, and innovative profit acceleration strategies, as well as resources that can help you accelerate your results in your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.